Oh man, this is it's pretty warm. <laughs> Hit the music. Welcome home radio. The waters in the mortgage industry can be pretty muddy. Whether it's investing, leasing, renting, home insurance, or myths and misconceptions, Welcome Home Radio has the answers for you, the consumer. And now, to help you make the right home buying decision for you and your family, here are your hosts. And welcome to Welcome Home Radio, December 14th, and a very Merry Christmas to those out there. I hope you're going to have an enjoyable time with your friends, family, and fellowship, and just blessing the world in Christ's birth. Gosh, what a, what a wonderful time. I was sitting back thinking about Welcome Home Radio and how long we've been around, how long we've been trying to help educate. Again, Welcome Home Radio, where real estate lending and learning come together and I've got some wonderful co-hosts with me, Tom and Alan. Just welcome. Oh, Tom, my goodness, you're ready to wrestle everybody here. Senor Tom. <laughs> well, I can see where Tom is going to go with his Christmas time now. At least Tommy <laughs> So, But guys, we just really want to thank you for all your listening. Like us, share us. We, we really like your input. When you do give us, please give us that input. Today's show I'm kind of excited about because we're really going to kind of transition. One of the key things that is going on right now and going to happen and is rates. We're going to talk about rates today. We're going to talk about why rates are where they're at, why rates are going where they're going to go. And we're going to give you insight on what impacts your personal rate as well. But again, I want to thank my co-hosts for being here. Merry Christmas to you guys. You got any travel plans, holidays? Uh, not us. We're going to be home. Uh, we were home for Thanksgiving, and we're going to be home for Christmas and New Year's. And doesn't happen very often, but it was a family decision, so we're good with it. And yeah, we're again, we're, like, stay, uh, we're stay vacation too. I mean, on both, <laughs> we've we've done that. So we're gonna we're, we're trying to figure out all the fun things to do, the light shows to go see, uh, the arboretum or. Something along that line. Tom, what are you doing? You got travel plans? Mm, I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. Yeah, um, like Blair said, everybody follow us. We're going to give you some really good real estate lending and learning advice. 
Yeah, we're gonna, not going to do any good. We're going to teach you how to sing. <laughs> we're going to do some, We've got some songs lined up. Come on. <laughs> well, I, I did not know this, folks. I appreciate you listening in. Hang with us. Tom will soon get it all out of his system. Maybe by New Year's Eve. We're not sure. Perhaps. Hey, but guys, really, I want to get into this because I've been really struggling a lot of the market, and Alan, you can give us some insight on this, but we pre-approved a lot of people in the middle of the year, and they just fell off the, the shelf because they did not want to commit to a loan what they thought was a high mortgage interest rate, seven and a half, seven and three quarters, seven and a quarter. Well, guess what? Rates are going to get better. Are they going to be coming back onto the market? Are they going to come back in and maybe the first quarter of next year, you think, if rates get better? I think some of them are coming back in right now. I was showing homes over the weekend. Um, again, it's a person that had been, you know, pre-qualified six months ago and <laughs> updated it, you know, every two or three months, the lenders will update. And so we're out looking and so I think it's starting to come back a little bit now, obviously November, December, and January. Well, not obviously, I wouldn't be saying it, but it's, it's a good time to buy. If you don't know that, it's a great time to buy and sellers have their houses on the market right now because they have to sell their house. So it's a good time to get out there. Blair is right. He's a lender. Interest rates are coming down and they're probably going to come down a little more, but the prices on homes have moderated. And I think they're, you know, much more reasonable than they were a year ago where everybody had to pay 20, 30, 50, a hundred thousand dollars more than the house is probably worth. So yeah, Quick answer. Yes, they're coming back. It's good to see it. I think this little episode we've gone through has been healthy in the long run. And I think we're going to have uh, really good things in 2023. Now, Tom, I keep constantly hearing, well, the Fed's raising the rate. Rates are, are going to get worse. What's going on? I mean, I, I, I don't know if I want to buy. I mean, everybody equates the Fed rate to a mortgage rate. Would you help clear this up for our listeners? Well, that is, uh, as you just pointed out, uh, we saw the rates drop kind of really dramatically over a two-week period right after they raised the rates. So they're not correlated. The mortgage market goes out to buy uh, treasury bonds and supports the value of, of uh, the uh, actual market itself. And so as a result of that, our rates are a reflection of demand, really. So as the stock market changes, uh, investors move in and out as far as risk is concerned, that's the ultimate ticker with regards to risk. So even if we saw the Fed raise the rates uh, here in December, uh, which is extremely likely as far as the last end of the year rate change, I would see it not having a negative impact on the mortgage market. So a better correlation number, if somebody was looking at this, and this is what I try to educate and correct me if I'm wrong, please. But if inflation is high, mortgage rates are going to be high. If inflation is dropping, mortgage rates are going to be dropping. That's a better correlation, would you agree, than the Fed fund rate? I, I, I would say that traditionally that has happened. Yes, Absolutely. Okay. Uh, again, I don't even think the, uh, you know, it used to be tied very highly to it in the 70s, early 80s, 
But the way they calculate inflation nowadays, a lot of the economists or a lot of the people that trade mortgage-backed securities don't really look at the uh, inflation as much as they used to. They're just trying to create the supply and demand part. And they found at 7%, there just wasn't a whole heck of a lot of demand. So they're moderating and going into the marketplace saying, well, we've got to sell bonds. What will people buy them at? Six and a half? Six? So five and a half? Well, and you can and you could take it even to a more basic level for the average person like me. Um, the more things cost in general to live, gasoline, housing, um, you know, food, all that stuff, the less money somebody has to go out and and purchase a home. They're just trying to make do with what they have right now. And um, I think there's a natural correlation there, too, that the average person kind of goes, gosh, I don't have anything left after my paycheck or we're drawn out of our savings to get by right now. You know, milk is $4 a gallon. It was $2 a gallon. So sure. that all adds up when you have a family and you're, you're trying to get through life. So I think there's a real correlation there. Totally agree with you on that. And I want to kind of give this brief. I've, I've typed it up here. The economy clearly is slowing, has been slowing, and there's a flashing signs of recession all over. We were correct in believing the core inflation would start rolling over November 10th. November 10th, if Tom, you remember, we had a, a huge 110 basis points increase. Oh, it was just a blessing to everybody uh, from the October reading. And because of the slowing signs, tougher comparisons from last year. For that same reasoning, we will continue to see as the CPI report comes out for November. Now, the CPI is a 12-month rolling report. What that means is if you add on the previous 12 month reading, they'll drop November from the previous year and add on the new reading for November 2022 this time. And when we see that, we're going to see a decrease in inflation or core inflation's going to drop from 6.3, we estimate, to 6.1, which is a great indication. If the same thing happens, what happened on November 10th, we could see a rally either this afternoon or tomorrow of over 100 basis points. With that coming, every month as we go in, we're gonna see a new CPI report, inflation numbers are being affected. So the Fed effort in raising the rates are impacting positively to inflation. And therefore also inflation is impacting mortgage-backed securities or rates that are out there for purchase. So we're estimating, and this is coming from Cardinal Blair Thomas, Welcome home radio. I'm going to say we could be by five and a half by the end of January. And that would be a huge impact to Alan's business, my business, any realtor out there, any potential seller and or buyer, we will see activity increase. But we're also going to see a few things with rates coming down. Alan, would you agree with me? Seller compensation or seller comps are not going to happen as much if we're going to have that much activity or that much competition out there. Therefore, sellers won't have to give up any seller credits, that sort of thing, that they can go for their list price. Would you agree? Yeah. In general, there's a lag time to all these things. It takes time for everything to catch up. And right now, uh, seller contribution is, is in vogue again. Um, the video I did this morning on To The Point on LinkedIn was all about it's a buyer's market. It truly is. Yep. And I, I want people to understand that 
there's more opportunity out there right now on houses you can buy than there has been in a long time. And the prices are moderated. So yeah, the interest rates are a little higher than they were, but then again, the prices are down and you can do a refinance in a year or two. So it's a good time to get out there and buy. But yes, right now, seller contribution is, is in vogue. And as the market comes back, inventory comes down a little bit and more demand comes up, that'll go away. So it's a win-win right now for a buyer. And still sellers, there's many sellers that have to sell. That's why the homes are on the market. That is not going to stop. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot more homes in my own neighborhood here in Plano that are going up on the market, coming soon, advertisements. Uh, but as you say, seller contribution right now, I'm helping out a, a veteran. He's literally bringing no dollars. He's going to get all of his earnest money back right. to his pocket because of his seller contribution he received. And so what a great time. What a great time to be out there. And again, we're not as have, have, have as many homes like in the market. The difference in 2008 to, to today, Tom, you would agree, we don't have a glut of inventory. We, we really only have about a month, maybe, worth of inventory out there in the market. So therefore, the price is maintaining and therefore competition is still good. You <coughs> sell a home at a good price, but you can find a deal. And so would you agree with that? It's that's different than 2008. Yeah, uh, I'm just uh, th 2008. You threw that he in. Looks like, he looks like he's hurting himself, Alan. Well, <laughs> when you threw in 2008, I'm like, OK, what am I comparing this to? To today. Uh, yeah, in 2008, there was a flood of inventory. That was right. uh, that was the ultimate uh, buyer's market at that point. And uh this one's going to be moderated much differently than 2008, 2009. I had a question for Alan. What about your sellers that come to you and say, well, I'm not giving up anything. Joe sold his house for 350 and my house is better. So I should get 375. What, how do you addressing that nowadays? Is every, every seller is different, Tom, and everybody has a different attitude. And so what you do is you do your best to give them accurate information on what a house is worth. But I work for the seller. It's their house. They are the boss. I give them the facts. And if they want me to list it higher than I think it's worth, then yeah, I'll list it higher than with the understanding that, you know, if we don't get it, I want you to address the real value of your home. And they have an option to go, no, I'm not going to do it. Or yeah, we'll get there. So that's how I handle it. I always just stick to the facts. The numbers will back me up. Um, they're always the occasional exception for everything in life. And that goes to selling a house too. somebody's, um, you know, junk is somebody's treasure. And, and it's like that in housing too. So that's how I handle it. I stay with truth, facts, upfront, and we go from there. So junk is somebody else's treasure? It really is. Okay. Somebody's trash is somebody's treasure, right? Well, whatever. Junk, all, all of the above. <laughs> Well, I now, saw Tom, your wrestling mask earlier and I went to junk. I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all now know Tom's new career coming up in 2020. Yeah, starting so, the new year. We wish you the best in your wrestling career in the future, Tom. You I've not it. seen too many people retire from a really successful career to go into wrestling. This is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I mean, you've seen some of the football players do it and that type of thing. So well, why not, 30, Tom? You're 32 not, years Tom? old. <laughs> hey, hey, Tom, I want to talk about real quick. We're talking mortgage rates. What is happening? Why? But also, let's let help our listeners understand what impacts an interest rate, the, the type of interest rate you get, because everybody's individual. Everybody is evaluated differently in the sense of there's several comparisons. And if I'm not mistaken, there's roughly seven key items that make up your personal mortgage rate. Would you agree? Well, I would say there, there are seven main ones. There's about 10 altogether. We call them LLPAs, loan level pricing adjustments. And so our listeners really have to key in on that, that you, when you get your rates every day, you look down and you look down in this little corner box and it says, but if they're putting down 5%, you know, we're going to raise the rate. If they've got a 680 credit score or less, they're going to have raise the rate. If it's a non-owner occupied, we're going to raise the rate. Those are all LLPAs as far as that goes. And our borrowers always need to understand there is, when we talk rates, we normally are talking about the guy that's got an 800 credit score with 20% down that's getting a $350,000 loan. We're not talking about the guy that wants a $60,000 loan because they're putting down 150 that's got, again, you know, a 648 credit score. So those are all loan level pricing adjustments, factors that every lender actually has to come. And that's why you don't see, you know, I have people ask all the time, what, well, aren't all lenders the same? Aren't all their rates the same? I mean, they draw from the same place. Well, they're drawing from the same place, but they're also at the same time having different factors involved with the investors as to how they perceive risk. Loan level pricing adjustments are a reflection of the risk that they're willing to take. And sometimes they'll say, well, you know, I'm willing to take this and yada, 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 and it's an investment property. And so I want this much more because if it's owner occupied, then I would bring it down to here. So these are, again, all these individual criteria that you have to match up. And I hate it when I hear people quoting rates. It's like, well, that's my perfect borrower they're quoting. <laughs> yeah, and I think what Tom just said is, is you can almost do a show on this. There's so many different types of buyers. And for all of our Welcome Home Radio listeners, man, you just think you don't qualify, but you might. You got to try. You got to get out and start. Talk to Blair. See where you're at. There are buyers that have no money, like Blair said earlier, and close on a home. There are buyers that have a lot of money, but really bad credit scores and have to bring more money to the table. And they're just all over the place. So don't assume, you know, Tom's right. Not every buyer has 800 credit score and 20% down. Most don't. I mean, a lot do, but most don't. So that could be a show by itself. And I, I just love that this came up because for the average person, this is a big deal. A lot of them, and I talked to many of them, oh, I can't get a loan. Oh, my God, I'm a, I'm a 600. I'm a 680. Well, they look at something online and it tells them what they are, and it's not necessarily the truth. So I love that, that the way you said it, Tom, is just right on the money. Well, and, and some of those key things that our listeners can evaluate themselves at is I'm going to put down, of course, Tom brought it up, credit score. If you have a 780 credit score or better, the bottom line is you're going to get the best rates available on the program. 
but we can do mortgages down in the 580s, 600, 620. Everything's based on a 20 uh, point increment. Next again, impacting is home location. Where is this home? Is it in the suburbs in Weatherford or is it in the middle of Dallas? Is it in the middle of Plano or is it in the middle of Grand Prairie? There's so much about the location that impacts that interest rate comparison. And then of course, Tom brought it up. First off, is it your principal or your primary home or is it an investment property? It is proven by and as risk, you're going to pay your primary home mortgage no matter what, an investment property is questionable. And therefore there's greater risk from the provider, the financier. Next is the home price and the loan amount. If you have 3% of skin in the game compared to 20% of the skin in the game, you might get a better rate for that and you should. But the interesting part, Tom, why, and, and, and I think I know the answer, but I'm gonna ask you directly. Somebody puts 10% down on a conventional mortgage and somebody puts 20% down on a conventional mortgage, why is there generally an eighth of a difference higher on the 20% down than the 10%? Well, on the 10% down, Fannie Mae allows them to get mortgage insurance, so the risk goes down. That's what I want people to understand, is if you put down, you get a better interest rate below 20% down payment. So if we put you at 19%, you get mortgage interest uh, for that, but you get an eighth of a point on your core loan, it could make a difference in your product. Again, 20% down could be slightly higher. Also, can it be a difference, Tom, if you escrow or decide not to escrow at 20% down? Yeah, we're seeing a, a lightening of that. But again, we're talking about risk factors. The investor says, if you're paying your taxes and insurance to our servicer that represents us, we don't consider that as risky. If you want to pay them yourself, we're going to charge you a higher rate or upfront cost. It's a generally an eighth of a point difference in that rate that you would receive if you choose to escrow or not escrow. So these are things that impact interest rate, okay? And now again, it's not the most important thing. So many people make interest rate the number one thing on a mortgage where I don't know where y'all rate it, but I put it somewhere around 14 in the top 10 because it's really about the loan program. You can also get a different interest rate, the different types of loan. FHA could be a better interest rate than a conventional for you. VA might be better if you have that benefit than a forming or an FHA. So I want to stress this process is that you need to look at a variety. Alan's challenged everybody to always investigate, ask the questions, see what's out there for you, the individual buyer. Don't look at what's on the web because the web, as Tom said, that's your perfect buyer. That's 20% down, $700,000 mortgage, and, and they're going to escrow and they're doing everything right. This is what utopia can bring. And since but, we're talking about money down, a nice segue into this is the market right now. The sellers are a lot less in control on what you're bringing to the table. In a, in a seller's market, if you're bringing 5,000 or nothing down or 2,000 down or 5,000 down, and you're up against cash buyers and 20% down and 30% down, 
sellers are going to take everything they can get. Well, that's changed. That's what a buyer's market does. It puts the buyers in power to write to all the points that, that Tom and Blair are making right now. So, so again, Tom, in your opinion, if somebody has the wherewithal, what is best in, with, if you've got a great credit score, you've got the 20% down. So I don't want to pay MIP, but I could be getting a better rate if I don't go, I go at 19 or 15% or 10% down, I can get a long, better long-term rate. How soon can I get rid of mortgage back, mortgage insurance on my loan? Well, and that's kind of the tricky part that as long as you've made 12 payments when you get mortgage insurance and you pay the loan down to 78% of the appraised price or sales price when you go to get it removed, once you've done that, it should automatically come off. The last 12 payments have to be on time. That's what mortgage insurance is there for. You had to make at least 12 payments to the investor and to the mortgage insurance company. But if you meet those criteria and have paid it down to 78%, you came up with that extra 5% or whatever, then you kind of beat the system a little bit with going ahead and getting the mortgage insurance removed. And some, again, servicers will come and say, no, our policy is 24 months. I encourage my listeners, I've had this actually happen. Uh, and a servicer said, we can't get rid of it until 24 months. And these people have paid it down to 78% their loan amount. And they said, well, prompted by me, my next phone calls to CFPB. Are you sure you don't want to talk to a manager before you do this? And they came back about five minutes later, Mr. You know, Mr. Blah, 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 Brown, your mortgage insurance has been removed. Congratulations. They do wow. not like that part. <laughs> Don't lie to me about the rules, please. <laughs> well, it's like anything with credit we talked about in the past on the show. You got to be proactive with your own credit. You can't rely on other people to sure you know, talk about you know adjustments in their interest rate or their customer service changes. <laughs> um, a credit card company will never come back to you and say, "Hey, we got a better plan for you." It's always a better plan for them. So you got to be proactive on your credit. Oh, definitely on credit. It's you've got to monitor it. You got to make it happen. And if you're not aware of your free loan free credit report that you get from each bureau. You get one from each bureau. And I, again, I spread them out every four months. I get one to update. But the other thing is, do you realize you can freeze your credit for free? You don't have to pay someone to monitor your credit or what's going on. I mean, if you freeze your credit, nothing can happen. And you get reports back on anybody that is trying to pull or open up credit. They request how are you doing this and can you unfreeze this before it's happened? And I, I can just tell you, I've done that. <laughs> Mine's frozen and they give you a code. Yep. It's, it's long and tedious and you put it somewhere where only, you know, That's but right. if I want to go buy a refrigerator and a stove, I can't, <laughs> I have to, I have to give my, I have to call up, give them a code and tell them I need 30 minutes to do what I got to do and then freeze it up again. 
Yeah, they normally have a rollover of three or five days, and then they relock it as soon as that's done. Well, you can actually control that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can control how long you want it. I don't. I unlock it for like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just it empowers me to feel like, okay, I'm not having to pay money to secure my credit and I'm not paying somebody like, is it LifeLock that you see all these commercials with? We'll watch you on the dark web and see if your identity comes up and blah, blah, blah. I don't need any of that because I know my credit scores are all frozen. Nobody can open up any credit lines in my name for any reason. Make sense? Yeah, that's why I did it. I mean, I my my identity got stolen, and um, a friend of mine. Who would, FBI, who would want to be you? That's kind of weird. I got you. And you know what's really weird, Tom, is they actually had my driver's license with their face on it. Oh my and gosh! It, it's that's how easy it is, folks. It's it's a horrible thing <laughs> to go through, and um, there's things you can do. But I did everything that LifeLock would have done. You know, I have a friend at church in the FBI, and he was like telling me this, telling me that. And he said, it's not a matter of when it's, it, or if, it's when. Everybody has access to your stuff more than you know. So um, it, it's not a good thing. But, yeah, monitor your credit, monitor your credit, and then monitor it some more. Because um, people all over the this, – this one person was buying – trying to buy stuff – in different states all throughout the United States. And I shut it down. It, it took me a few days, but I got it done. And thankfully with no real harm done, but only because I had some good people I was working with at banks throughout the country who are tired of this too. So, but anyway, um, Blair, great advice. Um, check and monitor. It's free with all three of them. Um, you now, know, when you get, when you get that report, Alan, do you get a score with that report? when you get a free credit report? I, I didn't see my score. You won't. And here's the funny thing. If somebody's giving you a free credit report with a score, they're trying to sell you something. A free credit report from the bureaus do not have a score because they don't know which algorithm to look at. They're just giving you trade lines for you to see. The bottom line is if somebody gives you your free credit report, they're trying to sell you something, whether it's a credit card, whether it's an automobile, whether it's insurance, whatever, even your own bank, giving you your credit report, they're trying to sell you something in the bank. Be aware. Just look at a free credit report. It has no score on it whatsoever. I feel more normal now. Thank you. <laughs> and, and Alan, wasn't it identified that it was a wrestler that stole your identity? Yeah, he had a yellow mask and... Yellow and green or something? He was he was in his low 40s to mid-40s. <laughs> oh, hey. Hey. Give me your credit. He looks so much younger. I'll wrestle you for your credit any day. <laughs> I just thought of a joke, but we probably won't say it right now. The, funny, the funniest thing is he can't see outside that mask anyway, so. <laughs> I was going to say, don't hit me too hard because I can't see you. Gosh, Tom, I missed you for that 60 seconds. <laughs> the guy came in the room and kind of took over. I was really scared there. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm laughing at his jokes. Yeah, it's getting scary. <laughs> okay, what else do we want to bring out about mortgage rates? We see them that they're going to be coming down in the first quarter of next year. 
we see them that they're up high. And yes, the Fed rate does not impact in, in the sense of direct impact to interest rates. So therefore, let the Fed, in fact, we're going to see about a 0.5 increase, I believe. It'll be announced later this afternoon on the Fed fund rate. But the bottom line is we're going to see better rates for early uh, 2023, January, February, March. And by the way, you talked about more MIP or getting rid of that. One of the things you can do when you refinance your home for a rate term refinance or taking anything out, if you have it at 80% of the evaluation on the appraisal, that could be a year later, that will also drop off your mortgage insurance, correct? Say it one more. I'm sorry. I lost. If I refinance my home a year later. Yeah. And my appraisal comes in a little bit higher, comes in a little bit better. I'm at an, I'm at an 80% or better. All of a sudden MIP goes away. And this is one thing I wanted to make sure we explain to your, uh, our listeners out there. If they're buying houses, if they're financing, if they're getting any type of loan, please, please, please don't pay points. Uh, people that were paying points here in the last six months to get a six and a half percent rate or six and a quarter percent rate, that's been wasted money. I mean, so I, I really have to recommend to people points are kind of the bane of our existence in the mortgage world because they don't provide anything. They provide negative effect unless you know they're going to bury you in the backyard. I mean, if you know you're not going to change your financing, sell the house, move at all during the time you have your mortgage, well, yeah, it does help to have a lower rate. But people get so focused on this, I got to have the lower rate thing, they end up paying a couple of points nowadays or let the seller buy down the rate for them. I mean, builders are really big at this right now. Take that five points that the builder's paying to buy your rate down and take it, take 5% off the price of my house. <laughs> yeah. And that way I'm competing yeah. with the future market where, you know, people are going to be trying to sell the house. One of the things we learned in 2007, people buy it at that end of the height of the market, you know, May of this year, June of this year, July of this year, those people buying at the very peak of the market, many of them took five to seven years for the market to come back down enough to get to where they could recover the money they had put in the house. And so anything you can do to discount pricing is much better. I think that's my own personal opinion, but I think that that makes a heck of a lot more sense than spending a bunch of money for fancy fi financing of a three, two, one buy down. That's a bunch of, <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a technical financial term, just so you know. What the raspberry? <laughs> well, Blair, you made a point that I think people need to hear too. Is you know, if the rates are going to come down a half point, as I think what you said early next year, he then, promised it. I heard him promise just now. Well, I'm talking to all you potential buyers out there. Let me tell you, this is a good time of year to buy. I already said that. April gets a little bit late and believe me, we're going to have a surge in April, May. And on top of interest rates coming down, prices might react to that. So you've got a really good opportunity in the next two or three months to get after it. And I, 
you know, you can do it a lot of ways. You can buy high, like Tom said. I'm a realtor. Can't time the market. I actually bought in late 2006. It was pretty high. Doing fine. No, but but my point is, yeah, you guys are looking great. You rubbing your belly too, Tom? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> and that's why I got both of them right here. <laughs> there you go. Keep them up, will you? So my point is, if you, you know, you own the home, we're doing great now. Obviously, we have equity. And it, home is a great investment. So getting in at the right time is a good thing, but you can't time the market. I don't know anybody that truly can time the market. Some people do it. But if your goal is just to time it, odds are probably against you. Well, I want to bring up one final point, and we'll be closing it up on this. Tom, I want you to help me out here. But so often, everybody wants to see and get back to two and a half to three. Tom, we're never going to get back to two and a half to three in the next 10 years. I mean, the reality is, I think rates at the best, can it's going to be in the mid fours, at the best. Would you agree with that? Because people are still so stuck. They, they started in the market at two, two and a half, three, and they want to get back there, and it's just not going to get there. Would you agree think, with that? I think that what they should do is wear a little moniker, a little necklace around their uh, neck, that says I have a 3% rate so people can admire them. But as far as that goes, they then will have to know they're going to have to take it off when they go buy another house at four and a half or five. So uh, it's not realistic to think the Fed, I mean, one of the reasons why rates stayed so long for so, so low for so long was, you know, the Fed had stepped in and was basically subsidizing the rate in order to make the uh, the building industry move forward and build more homes. And that was a good logic. It's just proven that it creates some artificially um, incorrect pricing on housing. It creates artificially incorrect demand. And so, you know, it's it's just one of those things that they're not going to buy those bonds like they were during the 2020 period when we had the COVID in 2021. I, I just can't see that coming back like that. I don't, I don't see it either. And neither does our economists that, that we see. So I want to make sure people understand interest rates are important, but they're not in the top 10 for me on a loan. We want a loan that you can afford. We want a loan that you're happy with that you can pay monthly on time and we minimize as much risk for the, them and the investor, but we want you to be happy. But the realization is we will never get back to two, two and a half, even threes. I think everybody should be very happy in the fours up to five. I mean, I still remember my first home at 13. So this is unbelievable rates right now, as far as I'm concerned. But again, homes back then didn't cost as much as they cost now. So yeah, that's the number one thing buyers hate hearing. <laughs> it's like, oh, I had a 14% note. This is nothing. So it's, you know, it's funny. Generations change and interest rates change. And I agree. I don't think 2% anytime soon, but, you know, 4 or 5% seems like it's doable. It went up. How high did it get? Was it seven and a half? Seven and a quarter. Seven, seven and really, a quarter? Seven and Seven and, and, and you know three eighths really is the highest I saw it at. 
you know, and, and again, you're still buying onto the rate sheet no matter what. So uh, we get to, we get to five, five and a half and no, you're not have to buy onto the rate sheet. That's pretty effective in my book. So guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, again, Merry Christmas and happy new year. We've got one more show before the end of the year, but I hope you guys have a wonderful stay vacation at home uh, and enjoy it with family and friends. I'm Blair Thomas. I'm Tom Holm with Champion School of Real Estate. I'm Alan Pace. Please follow me on LinkedIn. God bless. <laughs>